Hey, doll fans and Jewel fans. This is Chris from the Jewel Writers Archive and What a Doll Podcasts. Today we're doing a very special combined episode on a topic that we think will interest both audiences for each of our podcasts. This is an episode all about Wonder Woman and the Star Riders, the 1993 toy line that never quite made it off the ground. And with me today, I have What a Doll co-host Terry. Hi. And Ronnie from the Jewel Riders Archive. Hey, everyone. It's Ronnie. So first off, when did each of you first become aware of this as a possibility? When did we open the Jewel Riders Archive? (laughs) <laughs> that's the way 2015 <laughs> i just mean it was you <laughs> oh I, I brought this to your attention yes exactly okay chris did you know about it way back when you know i had run across an old like it was probably like a geocities website back in the day Ooh. Uh, that was all about this and i was fascinated it had like you know these low quality scans of the catalogs and I was just I was mesmerized because it was very very similar to what I was really obsessed with you know for the last 25 plus years jewel riders and having something that was so similar that could have been has always tickled my fancy right how could it not I know it's like big hair big magic Right. Speaking of big hair, I mean, okay, are we going to start with the Wonder Woman character? Because we got to go back to the 70s with Miss Linda Carter as well. So before we take it to the 90s, can we just sidestep to tell a little bit about the history of Wonder Woman herself? Rewind your clocks from 1993 to 1941, which is the year that Wonder Woman debuted in Sensation Comics. And she was the creation of a man named William Moulton Marston, who was, weirdly, the inventor of the polygraph lie detector test. Well, I think his lasso of truth has something to do with that. That's why everyone's like, you know, the lasso of truth, of course. But also a man who was in, like, polyamorous relationships and... With women or men? With women. Oh, okay. I don't know. His... He and his wife had, like, a girlfriend between them who lived with them and was, like, his assistant. This is all information that can be read in Jill Lepore's book, The Secret History of Wonder Woman. Highly recommend reading it. There's a great Wall Street Journal article, I believe, interviewing her. And I'll link that in the show notes for anybody who wants to read. But, yeah, it's a great book. Fascinating history of Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman is a character who was kind of loosely born out of Greek mythology. You know, she's an Amazon. She lives on the secret island of Themyscira, where her mother Hippolyta is the ruler of all the Amazons. It's a female-only society, which, by the way, in more recent years, like, DC has definitely acknowledged that, like, yeah, this is a society of lesbians. Oh, have they? Yeah, I mean... Ooh, I didn't know that. I mean, maybe not all of them, but... You know, Wonder Woman has basically said in some comics, like, you know, I grew up on an island of all women. You know, you do the math in terms of relationships. Interesting. I did not know that. Like, 
does that mean that Wonder Woman herself is a lesbian? I mean, I think she's I think she's bisexual. Is she? Well, we could just have this whole conversation about this. I mean, I know. <laughs> I mean, all I was going to say was I, I wanted to bring up the fact that I often hear people when they talk about the Amazons, they often will cite them and call them Amaz- Amazonians, but it's Amazons. I just yeah. want to be grammatically correct here. Yes. Like, which one is it? As right. far as I know, it's Amazons. Okay, so what's this Amazonian thing? Maybe it's people who work for Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Aww. Okay, okay. So Wonder Woman is a DC character, and she was created in the 40s, as you mentioned. And then she really kind of, like, was featured in a lot of things. But, I mean, media-wise, for me personally, I think the 1970s show. Was there something in between the comics and that? That you know, you know she she was featured in a few animations, things like DC Super Friends in the 70s. But that's oh, right. a lot of that is concurrent with the Linda Carter show. Mm-hmm. OK, gotcha. Um, I was just going to I was going to give a little bit of history to the Wonder Woman show. Yeah, go uh, for it. Because I have some thoughts. So since we were talking about, you know, lesbians and things like that, um the Linda Carter character is such a gay icon and Oh, 100%. It's so funny because I I don't know. I mean, maybe we could have this conversation too about like what exactly makes her the gay icon because not everyone is like, "Oh my gosh, the 1960s Batman is a gay icon." I mean, true, he's campy, but it's like people just latch on to this character and the the show is um on ABC originally, and then it went to CBS. But the ABC one, it was the first season, and it ran for the three seasons from 1975 to 1979. And the interesting thing, well, at least for me, um, because I love period pieces, and being that it's from the 40s, it takes place during World War II, and it's one of my favorite eras. You know, I love the 30s, I love the 40s, of course I love the 80s and 90s, um, but... For me, the 70s, personally, is a dark period. Like, I am not a fan of many things 70s. And so this show is supposed to take place in the 1940s. But for me, as a child, I never got that. Because, like, the acting style, the cinematography, like, except for, like, the sets themselves, everything screams 70s. So it's like even in, you know, in the first episodes when she like goes into the current world, it's just like everyone kind of acts, in my own opinion, like how they would in the 70s. Like it acts like a 70s sitcom. And it's it's kind of funny because I'm like, how would it have, you know, maybe looked if they had been a little bit more period appropriate or whatever? I mean, you know, when Wonder Woman as Diana Prince brings back Major Steve back to the, um, to the, well, to the United States after he, um, he drops into what they call, I think it's Paradise Island. Paradise so, Island is the other name for Themyscira, yeah. yeah. So that's, um, so see, again, they had a lot less, like, I, see, sidestep, but it's like, I think that, like, Xena did it a little bit better. Like, I think, like, Xena, and that's another gay icon. Another, I was gonna say, another I know, right? gay icon. 
and so it's kind of like I felt like that storytelling was a lot better at like just like the general stuff, but it's like it's kind of the same idea of having this very power, you know, focused woman. And so anyway, so back to Linda Carter over here. And, you know, this is the 1940s and she's walking around essentially in this glittering bathing suit. And like the men are reacting, but like everyone else is just kind of like, oh, well, whatever. Like, you know, and it's just like, no, like this is the 1940s. Like there would be a lot more going on. And besides that, it's during World War Two. Like there should be a lot more like World War Two stuff, like rationing and things like that. Like they mentioned that in the first episode, but it's like you don't really see a lot of stuff that signals that. That's just me looking at it from like a lens of like, you know, wanting it to basically look like Pearl Harbor or something like that. Now, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when it moved networks, didn't the time period of the show yes. change? Yes. So then it also changed names. It went from being just Wonder Woman to the new adventures of Wonder Woman. And it takes place in the current period. And I think that that's why so many people associate that show with the 70s. Mm. And I wonder if there wasn't some studio exec who watched it and was like, guys, why are we making this period piece when it just looks like it's shot today? So I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the storyline had something to do with it. But, yeah, those are my thoughts. Well, I've got a genuine question about her. What? So is it Linda or Carter? Yeah, yeah, Linda Carter. Is it her who's a gay icon or Wonder Woman? I mean, I know they both are. Both. <laughs> Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Okay. What? And it also has Cloris Leachman as her mother as well. Okay. Why is that? Because, like... I mean, I'm not a Wonder Woman fan. I don't hate her, but I was never really, like... Great way to open the episode, Terry. (laughs) But maybe with Wonder Woman and uh, the Star Riders, maybe, like, if if we would have gotten that, maybe I would be a Wonder Woman fan. I honestly think her popularity as a gay icon of the 70s is really related to the children who watched her on TV, she's very she's very drag queen. She's very campy, but she's also very earnest and very kind and accepting. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know, I think it's that combination of kindness and campy fabulousness that often draws people in the gay community to these kinds of characters. Well, I think it's also being like the the you know the aerial, the fish out of water. Like we identify with them because right. they don't fit in. They don't, you know, they don't meet the norms, and so we see ourselves in that, and we're like, oh, that's the person I can relate to because you know they they don't meet what society says is normal. You know, right, right. Hmm. Yeah, I totally see it. Yeah, it's like, I do wish, I mean, I'm always wishing that they that they lean more and more into the mythology-related background of the character. And I know there was a big push in the 80s in the comics that they, they did like a 12 labors kind of, of Hercules story, but with Wonder Woman. And it was like, she, to like regain her powers or something like that. And they really leaned into the mythology aspect. And I don't think it's ever totally gone away since. But, you know, Wonder Woman's, you know, 
epithets basically in the early years were also things like great heron suffering sappho and all of these ridiculous <laughs> sayings oh, i like it it's very in alignment with like the batman show and things exactly, like that exactly exactly yeah. you know there was definitely the the taking of these characters from their sort of camp 50s and 60s roles mm. and then rolling them into television mm. based on that. So, you know, when t- it's like you say, when Tim Burton comes along in the 80s and makes this dark, brooding Batman, people are like, but where's Adam West? Mm-hmm. Where's 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 the shark repellent? Exactly. <laughs> Where, they're They're used to it being a camp thing. Instead because of this, it was really, like taking you know, it more seriously. Rich, yeah, this rich layered kind of story. story. Well, I think that that's going to be a conversation for me later. We're definitely going to cover that part of it. Okay. Story elements. But yes, okay. So just, I wanted to give everyone a little bit of history because I think now we know, you know, she's a DC superhero. She was created in the 40s. There was a show. She's a gay icon. She was also featured on other animated superpower episodes with the other DC characters. So she definitely did start to see, you know, some involvement in the 70s. And I think that that sets the stage for what's going to happen next. Yeah, so, and then, remember, by the late 70s, you had Superman come onto the big screen, the first real big superhero movie. It was a huge success. Huge success, yeah. And then you had, you know, four, three more follow-ups to that. In the 80s, you had Batman launching with another three follow-ups. And Supergirl. And Supergirl, yes. That wonderful, campy movie, which also Supergirl ties into something conversation-wise later as well. Mm Mm-hmm. The Maiden of Steel. Yes. I love it. And <laughs> can I be her for Halloween? If you want. <laughs> you should. Oh my gosh, I will. No, I won't. Someone want to <laughs> sell me a costume? I'll wear it. How about that? <laughs> so in the 90s, after these big successes, they started to make animation of the DC superheroes again. You know, Batman the Animated Series followed by Superman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. And he's that very distinctive sort of deco style. Inspired and by the Fleischer Superman. Exactly. I, I'm going to throw that in there since it's all the DC. The Fleischer Superman cartoons from the 30s. Which right, are that's what inspired fabulous Batman. If, anybody has never, if you've never seen them. Yeah. And Lots of animation history here. <laughs> yes. It all ties together, like everything. I mean, you, you don't think Jewel Riders or Tenko is coming up. Oh, but it is. It is. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> uh-huh. So in the 90s, there was like, okay, well, we haven't really done anything with our third big DC superhero, which is Wonder Woman. And so here comes Mattel after... <laughs> In their years after making She-Ra Princess of Power in the 80s, they proved that there was a market for action fashion dolls and, you know, all of the various She-Ra knockoffs that came along. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, She-Ra ends in like here? 87, right? I don't know the timing, but you said something I want to add. But go ahead and finish talking about She-Ra and Mattel. Go ahead. So I was <laughs> just going to say that it's, you know, from the... From the mid to late 80s to the early 90s, we're probably talking like six to seven years between the end of Wonder Woman. I'm sorry, the end of She-Ra 
and the Star Riders comics coming about. So, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, since we're now starting to bring up Wonder Woman and the Star Riders, um, during its early years, a Mattel spokeswoman um, talking of Wonder Woman says that it will be superheroines who will be nonviolent and have lots of hair to comb. And I just love that it's, and it's like, well, apparently nothing says excitement for girls like nonviolence and lots of hair to comb. Oh, <laughs> and yes. It's just so ridiculous. Like, and again, I have lots of thoughts that I will share later. But yes, that was that. There's a line promoting it from Jill Barad, who was the president of Mattel at the time, that says, you know, this toy line offers new powerful role models for girls. Wonder Woman and the Star Riders will continue Mattel's tradition of providing positive and empowering toys, to which the writer of the article then references the math is hard, Barbie, which made me laugh. I didn't know what that is. Did you look it up? Because I never actually did. Yeah, so that's a Barbie that, it was like a talking Barbie that had phrases. Uh Uh-huh. And one of the phrases was, math is hard. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Very empowering to young girls, right? That's not the teacher Barbie, is it? I don't believe so. Oh, okay, because I have that 90s teacher Barbie. That's why I was asking. I was like, I don't think she talks, but I think that the chalkboard talks. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, I have that one because I really wanted it as a kid. And so I finally bought it years later. Good. <laughs> there you go. Um, anyway, yeah. Okay, great. I'm so glad. Math is hard. There you go. Hey, I I feel that. Math is hard. For anyone listening, like, math is really hard. (laughs) I hated math. So I guess Barbie and I have so much more in common than I thought. Oh, my God. (laughs) I feel empowered. (laughs) So Mattel, along with DC, starts developing this new concept Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. Um, DC President Jeanette Kahn, you know, meets with Mattel. They start working on this. And it's interesting. So they, of, of course, there's Wonder Woman as the star of this venture. And there's two more obscure DC characters, Ice and Dolphin, And then there's two brand new characters. Actually, there's three brand new characters created for this. One, on the good side, we have Solara and Star Lily. And on the bad side, we have Persia, which Mm. totally not Catra, guys. Totally (laughs) not Mm. Catra. Right, nope. Not the fact that she has a cat eye mask, that she has a purple panther with her. No, no, no. Not (laughs) Catra. (laughs) <laughs> and don't forget about also you've got the Shira knockoff uh, fre- uh, animal friends. Yeah, so all of the animals in this toy line were basically just reruns of Shira molds, which you we had also saw later as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean they got their use out of those molds. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so. I like that, you know, they were originally going to use the Justice League member whose name is Fire, but then they didn't want to teach young girls to play with Fire, so they changed it to this new character, Solara. Which I like Solara. I I think it's a pretty name, yeah. Yeah. But I do have a question regarding the two animals. So, 
The first one is Wonder Woman's flying unicorn, Nightshine. And then there's also a winged horse named Cloud Dancer. Yes. Is that the same thing? A flying unicorn and a winged horse? I mean, no, or is no, one no. an, al- oh, no, an, an alicorn and a pegasus? Well, oh my <laughs> gosh. But it's the same thing. Like, why didn't you give her something else? Like, why does she have two horses? So, also, Wonder what? Woman has a mode of air transportation. Yes. Oh my gosh. Can we talk about Linda Carter's invisible airplane? The invisible jet is like a classic of Wonder Woman. Like, uh. right? ridiculous it just makes me laugh that they didn't even seem to think about using it here because it's ridiculous like an airplane in this fanciful setting wouldn't have been appropriate it could have been a hot selling toy though it could have like a changing room or something (laughs) fabulous feature to it i'm sure oh my god is taking your application right now oh right (laughs) (laughs) uh and then there's pantha Persia's purple tiger. Do I have to say Persia's? Oh, Probably, if you want to be full Catra clone. Exactly. Persia. <laughs> I love it. So, the Star Riders base is the Starlight Castle for reasons, which basically floats up in the clouds and they monitor the Earth. Now, the characters' powers seem to me to be sort of environmental-based, and the the concept has these, like, very light save-the-rainforests and the ozone layer 90s overtones to them. Captain like, Planet. Very Captain Planet, oh, right. yes. Like, Solara helps things grow, and Dolphin helps the seas, and, you know, Ice wants to stop the polar ice caps from melting, and all of this stuff. Ooh, fake news! I know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, there was definitely an element, which pretty much every 90s thing at some point had a, like, Save the Rainforest episode. Tanko did. Joel Tanko Wright did, did absolutely, yeah. I mean, they had a forest, but they didn't talk about saving it, per se. They yeah, were just so... behind on their agenda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, also, uh, when you're talking about the Starlight Castle, it doesn't sound anything like the Crystal Castle. No, 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 no not at all. Exactly. I'm surprised they didn't just rerun the same mold from the Crystal <laughs> exactly. Castle. Exactly. Mommy, my toys look exactly like She-Ra. I thought you bought me right. new toys. Exactly. Uh-huh. It was yeah. a hand-me-down. Pretty much, yeah. Right. But, you know, that's what, that's, I think that that's going to be Wonder Woman, the Star Writer's downfall, is that there was so much reuse. So it's kind of like you're trying to create an action story by using, you know, the mode of Barbie and She-Ra basically to create money. Like that's, that's the, that's the thing that's happening here. And I think that a lot of the creatives saw through that. And you paste Wonder Woman on for name recognition. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. For sure. So each of these dolls came with a, Kind of like, I'm sure it was magnetic or it clipped onto a belt. It was like a star jewel. And these jewels were basically what helped them control their elements and powers and domains and so forth. 
And Persia, of course, wants to steal all of the jewels for herself, for power and greed, mm-hmm. and because she's greedy. <laughs> Just because of reason. Basically because she's <laughs> greedy. Her her tagline literally is greedy sorceress. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I guess that's a motivation. <laughs> because she's greedy. Um, so where are we going to start with this? Are we going to start with the story or the concept or the execution? I'm just, I'm so excited to give all my feedback. I can't keep it in. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with the only piece of this that was ever fully produced. Okay. And that I'm is ready. the... That is the Star Riders Cinnamon Mini Buns from Kellogg's comic. Now, this this is basically like a mini comic, like from He-Man and She-Ra. But this is like maybe half the size of those. It is tiny in person. Like, I'm like, am I looking at a wallet photo? <laughs> can, can I just tell you something, though, dear? What? This was made for little hands. No, no, not no. Not for your hands. <laughs> not That's for my why. archival glove hands. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's funny. Um, one of the um, interviews that I was reading, uh, Rick Taylor said that the Kellogg's books were done with vegetable inks and they were glued. They weren't stapled so that in case the kids ate them, they wouldn't choke on the staples or die from ink poisoning. I'm impressed. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely, like, an, you know, a perception out there of who the target audience is. So, again, dear, I hate to tell you, but you are not their target audience. So that's the reason why the comics are so small. Yes. It's something a child could put in their pocket, literally. Exactly. And, yeah, so the tagline is sparkling super heroine. I mean, this thing is just all over the place. It has the Wonder Woman logo above the Star Riders logo that's super 90s looking. And basically, it starts with, you know, east of the sun and west of the moon lies a magical palace, home to five beautiful heroines who have sworn to protect the Earth. Wonder Woman, Amazon Princess, Ice, ruler of the frozen north. Star Lily, gentle champion whose touch makes deserts bloom. Dolphin, denizen of the deep blue sea. And Solara, child of the blazing sun. And, I mean, this is hyperbolic in the extreme. (laughs) That's a a liner note word. (laughs) Yes. Tell me what hyperbolic is. Overblown. Oh, okay, okay. Like me sometimes (laughs) so basically persia steals the jewels the the story is persia steals the wonder woman and the star riders jewels and then earth literally starts falling into chaos and i'm like that seems like a really bad way to manage a planet like (laughs) five jewels for these girls (laughs) um and you know Persia insults her cat, which is in the comic is called Panthera instead of Pantha. So who knows what the thing's name was supposed to be. <laughs> and and then, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's also maybe just now it's PC, but she often references the Star Riders as sissy Star Riders. 
And I don't know if she means sissy, like as in like frail, or sissy as in like sisters, but I still take offense. Oh, I mean, her whole line, yeah, she's always like every other line of her is, is insulting the Star Riders in mm-hmm. some way, like they're goody two shoes and <laughs> stupid feline and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's just so over the top. I love her. Do you? I think she's the most ridiculous part of this entire thing. Is she? Is she? (laughs) I think so. Well, go ahead. I I think, like, that was very 90s for any, or, like, early 90s for any villain to kind of talk like that. Because I can hear, like, Rita Repulsa... From Power Rangers. Oh, and... yes. Her her lines are very Rita Repulsive. Yeah. You know, like, she throws Dolphin in the ocean is like, nice day for a swim. Now you can join a school. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's painful. <laughs> she puts her in a net and is like, that's a net gain, and my gain is your loss. It's just <laughs> so bad. You know, Solara hits somebody with light. It's like, Time for you to see the light, Persia. <laughs> right. It, it's it's just so funny. So good. But so they they eventually, of course, win against Persia, and then in in the lasso of truth, she says, "No, no, I really want to be part of your sisterhood and work with you and be a star rider." But of course, she's lying, which I don't right. know how she can do that in the lasso of truth. But okay. Minor details. Yes. But, you know, they reference the Starlight Castle and and it's got, you know, computers and little meeting rooms and I mean the the comic image of it is actually quite pretty. I mean it's much prettier than the toy they were going to produce. For all of them or just for one particular Character. No, I mean for the castle. Oh, okay. Oh, for yeah. the castle. Oh, okay. So there's definitely this feeling of like, okay, we're they're really trying to reform their villainous, which kind of goes along with the like non-violent theme that they talked about for this when they were talking about development. But tell me some tell me some thoughts. I got so many. Go for it. Okay, where to begin? Um, Yeah, the logo. I don't like the logo. Um, The cover artwork, I love the cover artwork. The art itself looks like one of those 80s and 90s Barbie coloring books, which I heavily appreciate. Um, (laughs) One of the characters, I think it's like, um, I think it's Dolphin. She has, like, huge hair, and I'm like, oh, yes, like, you... They you all be, have huge hair, you'll be have a to contestant. be Well, it's just in, the, in this particular panel, I'm like, you'd be a contestant on Drag Race, okay, we love you. So I love the artwork, where, as a creative and someone who'd be working on this project, for me to look at this, it was so boring. It was so just... Like, why do I care? Like, there's no story development. Like, it jumps right into the plot. Like, like how you said, there's no motivation for the villainess. She's just 
she's just greedy. The um the jewels themselves, because they're all stars, how do you know which one's which? Maybe it's the color. I don't know. But that's kind of stupid. And then, like, the villainess just, like, happens into the castle. And, like, no one stops her. And then all of a sudden, like, someone's like, oh, I sense that the jewel's in danger. But it's like, but you didn't sense that the villain was here. Like, you just, you didn't know. Like, there's no security system. I love that she literally just finds the jewel in the drawer of a bureau. Right. So it's like, there's no, <laughs> there's no, like, real thought behind this I just I really feel like someone interviewed a five-year-old and asked them how they would tell the story and the five-year-old created the story like that's what I feel because the thing is is that they already had She-Ra and if we can go back to a previous podcast Amethyst Princess of Gemworld mm-hmm. as examples of how to do a strong female character with world building and story plot. Like, I mean, Amethyst, as the archetype, as we talked about for Western magical girls, already set the stage for this idea that there's quests. I was going to say jewel quest, but, you know, that there's like quests for regaining gemstones of power. Like Amethyst already did that. And there was a good backstory for the villain, for the reasons why. And I get it that this is just a little comic book inside of a cereal box. But this is the first thing that you are showing the public. And now maybe I'm just too critical because it's like, this is the only thing that exists. Maybe this would have been something like, we're like, oh my gosh, can you believe how different the show actually was compared to the first comic? Like, that's crazy. You know, but we'll, we'll talk about that, too. So, you know, it, it, it's just like the story itself. It's like it, it's so paper thin and like, you know, exactly like how you said, like there's a plot hole. Like, how does she lie in the lasso of truth unless she was really telling the truth and she really did want to join? But then she just couldn't resist her greed. And so she still stole the other gem anyway after that. And it's like there was just overarching political stuff with like the whole like the forests are dying. And then in the next panel, like she shows a a farm and she's like, and the the the, the farm is back to life and everything's good <laughs> again. And the oceans are back. And and it's just like we get it. Like I I I just I can't. I can't with this little comic book. I like everything about it except the story, which is like half of it. Right. So this was, of course, meant to be just one piece of their overall storytelling. So I, I, I understand from what I understand, each of the characters was supposed to come with their own mini comic as well. Yes. And not only that, but the whole thing was supposed to be supported by, like, a half-hour animated special, which would also have been released on VHS. And I have to think, like, okay, if that had actually been completed and released on VHS, that would have been one of those YouTube, did I dream that Wonder Woman thing up? (laughs) (laughs) Fever dream stuff. But it's definitely, it's got, the whole concept has a mix of, like, I like the idea, but do do you understand who Wonder Woman is? Like, mm-hmm. do you understand, like, that you have, literally, a magical girl character called Amethyst? 
who would have been perfect in this. Instead of making up random characters. characters. Which you said that there was already characters. Was Ice and Dolphin already characters? Ice and Dolphin were already characters. They're... I mean, obviously very different than what they look here. <laughs> oh, are they regular DC superheroes? Yeah, so Ice is a member of, like, the Justice League in the comics. Oh. And I don't know that I've ever actually encountered Dolphin. I think she's a relatively minor character. I see. See, these are the things I don't know when I learn. The more you know. Exactly. But yeah, Star Lily, Solara, and Persia are all... Persia. Persia. <laughs> they're all the new characters. They're all the new, the new characters, yeah. And then there was the idea to put Supergirl in there as the year two edition. Yeah, so there is an image you can see of basically a prototype Supergirl. And that is so fun. By the way, a lot of this information can be found in an issue of the comics magazine called Back Issue. And that was their June 2006 issue. 2006. You know, it's funny because... You can purchase that online for like $10, I want to say. It's like, you know, back in the 90s when this was released. And it's one of those things like the second season Jewel Rider toys where it showed up in a Toy Fair catalog and people are like, that's the only way that we know that it was possibly going to be a thing because we have photographic proof of the prototypes. And then the 90s happened, nothing happened. And then, you know, a little bit more than 10 years later, you know, this article in this magazine appears and it talks a little bit about the history. And then here we are again, like another 15 years later, where we then are now talking about the article and about the prototypes. So this is like a, what, a 30 year? No. Yeah? 30 years? Oh my gosh. Too long. <laughs> Journey. So that's, uh, this article was actually written by a man named Andy Mangles, who is a science fiction author. And he's also, um, he moderates the annual Gaze in Comics panel for Comic-Con. So I'm like, of course, Wonder Woman is being brought to, again, brought to people by the gays. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just can't let her go. Exactly. (laughs) But why would you? So, but he's, he's fairly well known, I believe, in like the pop culture community as an author and researcher. And so this, this kind of article is, you know, right up, right up that kind of alley. So I highly recommended, um, you know, support the magazine and pick up a copy of this article. Oh, I think I'll just go down to my local bookstore and just just buy it (laughs) off the shelf. I'm sure this 2006 magazine will still be available. Right. Let me just go to my local Borders. Oh, never mind. Well, maybe my local Barnes and... Oh, never mind. Well, maybe Toys R Us will have it. (laughs) If you're fortunate, you could find one in Canada, maybe. Or maybe Amy stores. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Toys R Us probably would have... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Just a random thought that popped in my head. Toys R Us probably would have had the best selection of Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. 
Oh, I can imagine a beautiful end cap display. Yeah. Yep, I was thinking that too. You could have your little cardboard cutout and everything. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so I want to talk about these dolls. So, oh wait, Tara, did you have anything to add about the comic? Yeah, the um, comic. <clears throat> I, I when I reflipped through it, like however twenty, thirty years later, um, I still like the style of it, and it, but it's very dated, like the coloring. Like, the teeny little dots, it's very, I I don't know the term for it, but, like, it's very 80s or maybe super early 90s, how they have, like, a bunch of color dots for the coloring. Right. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But, yeah. um, and then. I think that's like, also an artifact of it being blown up. Oh, right. So much. I don't know that you would notice it quite as much on an appropriately sized you know, four inch by three inch comic. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And Terry, um, you need to also let the audience know about your history with the comic as well. <laughs> so when I was in like first or second grade, I remember being at my desk and uh, another boy had the comic and he was flipping through it. And I was like, oh, okay. can I look at that? Because it looked like something I'd be interested in, being interested in like, mermaids and like Catwoman and batman and um just that type of stuff wizard of oz i'm trying to think of what else but um anyway so i was drawn to it and then like i remember flipping through it and then after a minute he's like you can have it because i think i asked him where he got it and he told me from cinnabon or some cereal box and i took it home and i don't know what happened to it maybe he took it back off my desk I, i don't know but I remember flipping through it and liking it at the time and thinking it was pretty cool. And it's probably something I would have been slightly obsessed with back in the early 90s, along with The Little Mermaid and all that stuff. I can definitely see myself, if these had ever come to market, like staring longingly at them in this toy store and not being yeah. able to buy them because they were too girly. <laughs> But that's the whole point about this toy line is that the plot like was just very girly. Like, you know, it is supposed to appeal to the girls of a certain age. So that's why, you know, it has things like flying ponies with long manes and tails. And it's centered around magic jewelry and, you know, with jewels and yes, such we should, like that. We should note that the star belts on the dolls that had their gems became, you know, a ring for you to wear. <laughs> yes. So there was that that play aspect, yeah. yeah um jewelry play, there's hair play, exactly. Right, right. So I I, I mean, it's, again, it, I think that you said it earlier, but it's kind of like they just kind of tacked Wonder Woman onto this project for recognizability. Like, that was the extent of it, I feel. Mm-hmm. I kind of wonder if they were trying to, like, grab the parents of children with nostalgia, with having Wonder Woman too, and being like, oh, I used to watch Wonder Woman when I was your age, or... I mean, that uh, would have helped. Yeah. Right. Sure. I mean, yeah, like, parents of kids in the 90s would have seen the Wonder Woman show in the 70s. Right. So there's definitely a recognition aspect for an intergenerational character. But, you know, they're going to look at the rest of these and like, who's this? Who's Solara? 
<laughs> and I don't remember a Linda Carter wearing this. <laughs> right. I, I think we need to note that, you know, Wonder Woman's traditional color scheme is gold, red, blue, and white. And in this Wonder Woman and the Star Riders, her red is gone and it is pink. Which is not surprising based on, you know, Mattel toy research. As we've, you know, we've definitely talked about this with um, the toys designer for Jewel Riders, Greg Atore, where he basically told us, you know, in all the market testing young girls almost always gravitate toward pink as their favorite color. And, you know, I mean, it was very canny on on the part of Mattel to just like, oh, we can just shift this red to a little pink. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And get another pink in there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the logo itself, Terry, you might have something to say about this but it almost looks gem-like like i like the star yeah. logo it's just because they kind of tacked on the wonder woman logo on top of it it just I, i'm not sure i like how it flows but yeah it looks very gem-like so i am wondering also like is this you know wonder woman again i mean is this mattel again kind of feeling like well we were already you know out right. of luck with gems so how can we you know create another strong girl-focused, like, phenomena. Right. Yeah, like, it it definitely, it has that fade to it, like, the yellow, Mm -hmm. pinkish, for sure. Um, Yeah, like, and uh, I'm flipping through the comic again, too, real quick. There's nothing there. I, I mean, like, it's beautiful imagery, but aside from that... Yeah, the art is technically very nice. Now, <laughs> now, one of the things we have access to that we'll be we'll be linking to in the show notes. I'm putting together uh, something for the Jewel Riders website on the history of this property that we'll link to in the show notes. But one of the things we have are scans from the Mattel 1993 Toy Fair catalog. And the other thing we have scans of, aside from the mini-comic, are a promotional folder that was probably basically given out to, like, potential licensors by DC and Mattel that has, you know, the basic history of Star Riders and the idea and what kind of, you know, merchandising they're going to do. And it has full-page profile and art of each of the characters, which is really lovely artwork but i have to say i look at these characters and you know wonder woman comes from themyscira like solara is like literally as old as the aztec pyramids you know ice is old like star lily survived like the apocalypse of her like whole culture and i'm like these are these are not relatable characters for young girls Mm -hmm. and in the article with andy mangles like they talk about the idea that instead of these like basically like ancient ageless powerful characters they were going to go with the idea that these are all younger characters who receive their powers 
from some light hope like being and Wonder Woman kind of mentors them a little bit. Oh, I wanted Grandma Solara. <laughs> <laughs> that I wanted cool. thousand year old Solara. Exactly. Star Lily comes with wheelchair and <laughs> and, and Walker. <laughs> but it's like I th- I think about that and I think that is so much better to me as if you wanted to make something relatable for young kids. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have, or like you could have like one or two of them be old and ancient characters and you could have others be newer so that you could have a mix. But if they're all like, yes, we live in this flying palace for centuries and just <laughs> watch over the world. I'm like, okay, Jesus. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, and you and you just put your gem in that drawer? Is that it? Exactly. <laughs> you better say your hail Wonder Woman's. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, the writer in me wants to like take this whole thing apart and really suss out like, okay, that works, that doesn't work, and like rebuild it just for the fun of it. Maybe we can have a contest. Redo fun. Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. We didn't want to do it in the first place. That's <laughs> why it was never made. Right. So the Mattel 93 catalog is where I think the original images all come from showing these dolls that they were going to make for this concept. And you want to know who it is? Or can you guess? Who your favorite is? Yeah. Let me see. I've got I'm gonna, two I'm going to say it's Solara. It is, of course. Because she has pink hair. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. And I love her outfit. And I got a second one. Who's the second one? Oh, your second one. I'm going to say it's Star Lily. It is. Yes. I love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a, like a sunflower. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's my, my favorite is Ice. I was just going to say, I think that that's probably yours. Yeah. What about you, Terry? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm looking at them right now. I like Ice because of the blue hair. Who doesn't love a that's doll dolphin. blue hair? Oh, oops. Uh, <laughs> that's right. the one I figured you would like. Yeah. yeah the one with all like... the dolphins all over it, that's dolphin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, who knew? Right. Um, and then I think my other favorite one would be probably Persia. I love that no one shows Wonder Woman. It's kind of like no one shows Guinevere for all those people I who know. love Guinevere. <laughs> but it's like you look at Wonder Woman with her little party city wand. <laughs> yeah. And it's so depressing. Like it looks like a little Christmas tree. <laughs> they could have made her wand into a toy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely options here. Um, Why would you ever make the the actual gem or the jewel into a toy? Why would you do that? <laughs> yes. No one would do that. Children don't want that. It comes with a drawer, too. Exactly. <laughs> a drawer where I can lose my mystic earth-controlling gem You're in ridiculous. the back oh with some God. pens. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, ridiculous. Maybe a few chords are in there too. <laughs> no. So each of these dolls had action features in addition. Uh, ring. I mean, yeah, so there was the ring, like Ice has a ringing wand, which whatever that means. <laughs> um, it just says, it's, it's literally like a text bubble above the wand that just says ringing. It's her phone, that's what it is. It, it rings, and she's like, hello, this is Ice, how can I help you? Um... Oh, you want a snowstorm? I'll whip that right up. Exactly. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the Sim Jewel, too, above her head. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> oh, I we will have to go back to the Earth jobs of these characters, because they cracked me up. Yeah. Did you say it looks like the Dark Stone? No, I didn't, but it kind of does now that you say that. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Terry, what did you say it looks like? Oh, the Sim Jewel? Uh-huh. Uh, or, like, the little, I think it was a jewel or diamond they have. When you play The Sims, they have, like, a, a little green diamond. Oh, I see. Okay, head. okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, it does, kind of. Yeah, so, like, Star Lily was scented. Solara had, like, a shining light from her from her gem. <gasps> Imagine that! A exactly. light sure That lights her- up? Persia's thing was basically like, oh, well, her cape's Velcro. (laughs) You can attach little jewels to it. That's how she snags them. Wonder Woman's wand twirled somehow. I'm not sure the mechanism on that. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Dolphin has bubbles. Yes. (laughs) A child just spins it real fast in her hand. Exactly. Exactly. Well... Persia also comes with a mask as well. Yes, that's your play feature, putting a mask on your doll. I I can't wait. Who is she? (laughs) You never know. Oh, it's like like Clark Kent. Oh, take it off. Oh, that's who it is. It was Persia all along. I know. How shocking. Right? (laughs) Yes. So, like, if I remember correctly, Ice literally works in an ice cream parlor. No. Dolphin works Stop. in fake sea world. Oh my gosh. Star Lily works in the gardens. And, God, where does Solara work? At if, the if local... If I it's gonna, a pizza oven, I'm gonna die. Not at a pizza <laughs> oven! No, I was gonna say she works at the local energy plant or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where does Diane work? Uh, Diane, she's probably a secretary somewhere. That's mm-hmm. a, isn't that, did she ever become a secretary in the show? Anyway, sidetrack, sorry. Does it actually say what they do? Like, where is that written? That's right. all written in the promotional folder. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't remember reading oh, that. She worked, Wonder Woman works as a doctor. Ooh. Okay. Lara is a photographer. Okay. Oh, see, she and I have things in common. Okay. Ice is actually, she's a writer, illustrator, and part-time employee at an ice cream shop. Oh, okay. Part-time. Because, you know, ageless women of the frozen north got to make a little money, too. Right. Uh, what else Dolphin works at Ocean World, because in the age of Blackfish, that's not problematic at all mm-hmm. and 
Star Lily is a florist and gardener. Okay. I'm like, you're telling me this girl who's all about saving the plants is going to cut them up? To, to sell to people? To sell to people? Um, That's a great point that you bring up. There you go. And Persia, she don't have a job. She's just greedy. <laughs> She's too greedy to clock in. Exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I would have rather actually Wonder Woman to have been like a lawyer or something. Well, yeah. It's, but you know, remember, this is nonviolence. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Lawyers are violent, apparently. You know, you'd, you <laughs> might have to defend a criminal. Oh, that's true. Oh, right. I like the toys. I like the... I love the toys. I like the, again, the idea. It's just... See, this is where Greg, who's the art director for Jewel Writers, really comes into play with his knowledge. And each element that we're creating for the the play of the toy needs to tell a story and somehow that works into the storyline or the, you know, the actual show. And I think the biggest problem is, is that, you know, just as we're sitting here, like kind of mocking it, like, Oh, ice works at an ice cream store. Or, it's so predictable. Or, you know, like these people work here and they have jobs. Like, isn't their job to save the world? I mean, how are they working these jobs, but also flying up in the air in a castle? Like, why do they have to have jobs? Like, right. it's just, it, it, there's so much for me that's happening here that it's like, it's just disconnected. Like, you know, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, they all have like real life jobs because they don't live in a castle in the sky. Like, they live with the rest of the people. But in this story, it's something different. And it's just like, I think that, it goes back to Chris, kind of what you were saying with like, what does a child identify with? And I think it's like kids, I don't know, like kids don't care if you have a job, like that's not something they identify with. Like they're going to identify more with the fact that you have problems with authority or that you want to, you just want to have fun or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I would much prefer that these are characters from disparate backgrounds coming together despite their differences to save the the world. But there you go. Than these mystical ancient beings who all are like the get along gang. <laughs> Except go, Persia. Go forth who's, and write it. She's just greedy. <laughs> <laughs> She's just greedy. <laughs> We can't have greed here. No, no, no. Exactly. We can't want things. This is not violent. Apparently, greed is very violent. Yes. But these dolls are adorable. I was going to say, they're also very clothed. Like, Mm -hmm. they all got capes or some sort of something on them. But, like, they all have, like, coverings. Like, it's not, you know your sexy Wonder Woman that, you know, Linda Carter portrayed, or even in the newer, you know, kind of, like, versions of her where she's just kind of jumping around in a miniskirt. Like, she's got tights on, and, you know, she's covered up and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's also something to note. Yeah, it's like, I mean, almost head to toe, like, Mm -hmm. ice is covered, 
Dolphin is covered, so is Solar, and so is Star Lily. Like, yep. Persia shows a little bit of bicep, and that's about it. I remember, uh, right. she's, she's bad, that's why. I know. Only bad girls show their shoulders. Well, Wonder Woman has the most cleavage out of all of them. I know. For showing the most cleavage. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't extend her... The top? Her, her top all the way up. Yeah. But then it wouldn't have been recognizable mm-hmm. as one. That's all the only true. thing. But, I mean, like I said, I like the idea. I like the um the actual dolls themselves. I think it's a very cute line. But the problem is, is that, as Greg has said, if you don't identify with the story, if you can't easily reckon i mean they they got that where it's like it's very recognizable who's quote unquote who although i would say ice i'm surprised that it's not more blue that it actually is so pink um well they but, spent all the blue on dolphin yeah, <laughs> well, she's more teal and greens but yeah i mean it could have been like a nice light blue like that's that's kind of what i was thinking but the point is is that like I don't know, like, recognizable-wise, and again, like, they all just have stars, like, unlike the Enchanted Jewels of Jewel Writers, it isn't each individual one that's like, oh, this is this jewel, or that's this gemstone that has this power, like, it, and that right, comes like, from Amethyst. Like, you could have Amethyst. a snowflake jewel and a right. starfish right. Yeah, jewel. Yeah, that would look cool. But the thing is, is that I think that that's actually where Jewel Writers was kind of unique in that it did create that. Because, like, Amethyst, for instance, all the gems are kind of just gemstones. They're not, you know, cut into specific shapes. So that is something that Jewel Writers kind of did that was unique. And even though these dolls never made it to market, it sounds like retailer reception was pretty lukewarm. Sounds like they might have had some Shiraz still sitting on the shelves somewhere. Right. Well, it, if I may interject, I thought about this too. Do you think it could have been because of Sailor Moon coming and like they were making dolls of that too and they were about that size? Were those released around this time? Yeah, like 94, 95. Yeah. But, it, it, but this was coming out in 93, so it's a little oh, bit early. I mean, I I honestly imagine that this just didn't get picked up because people didn't know who these characters were and they didn't feel like they could sell this somehow. But I do wonder what was Power Rangers was super big in 93. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking Power Rangers. It's like, I wonder if people were looking at power and power rangers was very popular with girls too mm-hmm. right i think power rangers crossed the gender divide and wonder woman and the star riders by comparison feels a little antiquated mm-hmm. it's like look how we all get along look how magic we are it's very 80 it's very 80s fantasy just slightly updated you know it's funny that the um the just kind of the style you know i think terry you pointed this out that it does look very 80s and it's like oftentimes jewel writers gets that kind of thought of people like oh like that's so 80s and like i look at this i'm like it doesn't seem as 80s as this like this like kind of looks like right out of the 80s more than it looks like from the 90s like but that's just my thought and you know the thing about, like, these heroines, 
is that it seems like it was really popular right around this time period. I mean, you've got, which, you know, we'll bring up, but it's like you've got Tanko, you've got Jewel Riders, you've got Sky Dancers. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many of these, like, girl-powered, you know, focused heroines. And maybe it just, it was like, if it had been more like She-Ra or Amethyst in a time when there wasn't a lot of this, but I think that maybe this might have just been, like, white noise. Like, people were just kind of like, we've seen better. Like, other people are doing it better. Like, whereas yeah. if if it was something that was more unique, I think that maybe then people might have been more receptive. But I think that it's really just because, like, nothing really stood out about it. And they looked at it, and it was just like, this is She-Ra. It's, it's basically trying, as much as I love it, it's like it's trying to basically be Barbie and the Rockers. It's just like, oh, well, we already had a hit, so, like, let's kind of try it again and see how it works. Do you think maybe because it didn't have a single male character or doll in the line, maybe that hurt it too a little bit? Because it was very boy-dominated. We had, like, Batman, Power Rangers, um, Biker Mice from Mars, I think. Like, Superman, all of these other Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I it's not the right outlet, I don't think. I do think that not having a romantic interest oh. is an interesting interesting choice. Oh, what's what's my favorite from Amethyst? What's his name? Carnelian. Oh, Carnelius. You're ridiculous. <laughs> He's so sexy. And if no one knows about this, you got to listen to our podcast on the Jewelry's Archive about it, Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. They were good episodes. Oh, he is. Something. Thank you, Terry. I appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I would have liked that. I think Solara should have been the lucky girl to have a boyfriend. Maybe she could have picked him up as her job as a fashion photographer. Oh, there you go. He was a model. He was an underwear model. <laughs> there you go. She's so lucky. I want to be her. <laughs> you know, but it's true that Barbie has long had, if you're talking about role play toys for girls, Barbie has friends and boyfriends and you can act out romantic scenes. But of course, you know, when you're the 2000 year old Aztec goddess, (laughs) maybe you, maybe you're just over romance. Oh, Uh, right. She had her fill. Maybe she needs some human sacrifices. Or <laughs> I'm sure that was the first thing on Mattel's mind. I'm sure. Uh-huh. You know, I just... I wonder if the costumes weren't too elaborate, where, like, the kids recognize them, but it just kind of looks more like fashion model rather than, like, superhero, per se. There's something about it. Well, yeah, they they definitely don't read superhero to me. Mm-hmm. Um, no. They're, they read Magical Girl to me. Which, overall. I mean, we love, we yeah. still like, but it's just, like, I but think... But, yeah, that, you're, like, supermodel Magical Girl. You're right. <laughs> which I love, but it's, like, again, that's a very niche target market. So if their target market was girls and gay boys, they got it. 100%. They hit the mark. Exactly. But, you know, it's like not, I, I, I don't know. It's like, there's just something about it 
that just didn't fly. And obviously that's how everyone else felt. Um, but I think it's kind of like the, the creatives at DC were just not feeling it. And Mattel mm-hmm. was basically like, all we see are just potential dollar signs. So again, you're creating something that doesn't really have a good story that doesn't really have, you know, a, a good reason for existing. Mm-hmm. So of course, like no one's going to really have a, you know, a, a strong pull for it. Right. It's a very phoned in effort from DC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the Mattel people did a lovely job with the dolls. I really do. Like, I think they're pretty. I think they would have stood out on shelves, even amidst everything else. But, mm-hmm. you know, if the story is not there to back them up in something associated with comics and stories, then you're you're dead in the water. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I'm wondering now, how did it get approved to be put in Serial? Like, if they weren't feeling it, how did it even make it that far? Because they oh, didn't it, make the decision yet. Yeah, I mean, okay. I'm, I'm assuming that's one of those things that's just made it out before the axe right. fell. It's hashtag marketing. You gotta let people know about your product, you know, before you start right. toys. Yeah. And I know, like, apparently some of the animation has been screened, but I could not find any of it online. If anybody knows where I can find that, please let me know. That would be nice. Maybe someone's home video from that. Yeah, I mean, San Diego Comic Con. Even if it's like a a 10 second clip or something of recorded a Comic Con, I'd love to see it. Mm -hmm, Uh, Funnily enough, the animation designs for this were done by Steve Gordon, who was Mm. at one time a Disney animator, but he's responsible for developing the looks of both the Swan Princess in 94, so right after this, and X-Men Evolution in 2001. They both are his designs. Huh. So it's like, it's interesting, you know, here's a another comic-based property we could have had from... Right. But if he worked on it, we may not have gotten what we got. Right. I mean, maybe... Maybe he wouldn't have been available for the Swan Princess after <laughs> we'd been stuck doing this. Right. I do wonder, and I've got a question for you, too. If they had been Barbie size, like 11 and a half, or even like 10 inch, a little bit bigger and like rem- with removable clothing, do you think they would have gotten the green light to go? I think then that's I go, really interesting. I, I go back to what are the... The sun and the moon Barbie thing. Guardian goddesses. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that one. And that wasn't very popular, was it? Yes, but those designs are not the best either. I'm just saying. I just, their their whole point with this, Terry, was that they wanted to go into the action figure market. They wanted to make girl action figures. That was their kind of reason for doing this. And... You know, this is, I, what Chris, whenever you want to take the, the turn at the fork in the road, like that also led then to the next properties as well. Yeah, I mean, I think if this had done well as small dolls, maybe you would have gotten like a special, like large Wonder Woman. 
you know, Barbie, but they've definitely made Wonder Woman Barbies, like several of them over the years. That's true. And Supergirl Barbies. And, mm-hmm. but, you know, after being scrapped, these designs and these molds that they developed for Star Riders did not go unutilized. Neither did the She-Ra molds. Neither did the She-Ra molds. <laughs> went on for, for where, so where do you want to start? Well, I mean, I guess we can start with um, with the other magical girl property, Tanko. Let's give a little bit of background for those what adult listeners who might not know what Tanko is. Take it yeah, away, so, please. So Tanko is a 1995 doll animated series combo based on the real-life Japanese stage magician Princess Tanko. But it's done with her as a magical girl searching for... The missing star fire gems, not the star jewels, the star fire gems. Yeah, not not the serial numbers filed off at all. (laughs) Exactly. And those dolls used these exact molds. And but instead of. And they use many of the gimmicks, you know, jewels that attach and detach and fur cape pieces and. But there's no, there's no, um, like, play elements with the Tenko dolls, like the Wonder Woman dolls. Like, there's no lights or, you know, sounds or anything like that. But there is, you know, the search for the missing jewels in this six-inch doll form. And, and the costumes as well are very And the much costumes bear the great the similarities, top. yeah. Yeah. The Tenko dolls are different in that there's no painted costume elements for them. They're all fabric. So the Tenko dolls each wear like a jumpsuit, which has pieces that attach over top. But, and I wonder if that was Mattel being like, oh, let's make this a little less action figure and a little more doll. Doll, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, exact same, exact same body molds. But before they they used these for Tenko, they also used them for the Disney musical princesses and the Disney is it Disney Bubble? Princess? No, it's musical princesses. Okay. Bubble is a different thing. It's scented bubbles. There's music. There was so many of these things. But, but they're yeah, all the, they're all the same form factor. Right? Yeah, those, they're all the six those and a half small dolls. Bubbles. Size. Yeah, and in the article, I have scans of the Mattel 94 catalog of those dolls that you can compare to these and see, you know, oh yeah, these are definitely, these are definitely the same thing. And it kills me because they made boys for that too. Like they made Prince Charming and Aladdin and the Beast. Like why didn't they make? Why didn't the, they use? Why didn't they use for those Tenko. for this or Tenko or like? Yeah. So. Yeah, those small those small doll bodies got like a lot of use. I mean, I'm sure Mattel put a ton into developing the tooling for them because developing tooling for a new brand new mold for a toy is like the biggest piece of the expense. Mm-hmm. Well, and then later, Greg would use one of the musical dolls, um, Jasmine, to tool Guinevere for the Jewel Riders line. So essentially. Wonder Woman is, I, I guess, the mother, at least the toys are, of all of those <laughs> prototypes. And, you know, 
Tanko and the musical princesses and Jewel Riders. Mm-hmm. And we should not forget to mention that the animals in the Tanko line are, once again, that same horse used for Pearl <laughs> Rider and the same cat used for Ninjara. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to spread those tooling dollars out over right. the life oh. of a toy. Mm-hmm. Right. I love that also the castle is basically just a front. Like, Mattel knows how to make Barbie houses. Why didn't they just make... You're right. Like, a house. Why is it like this? It's really. Oh, yeah. The castle is the cheapest place that I have ever seen in my life. Oh, It's really sure. sad. It's so... It's just upsetting. It's like... Mm-hmm. And their big gimmick is, oh, it comes with those glow-in-the-dark star stickers that... You could have bought for $3 at the checkout counter at the grocery store. <laughs> right. Us. Yeah. Well, later you have, um, like, little cards of Wonder Woman. Is that... That's from Star Writers, isn't it? Like, there's, like, talking- little yellow pieces of animation of Wonder Woman. Yeah, so we'll have these in the article as well. These are part of Steve Gordon's Wonder Woman designs. Which is so different than the comic. Yes. And even his artwork, the coloring, it's it's red. It's not pink. mm Mm-hmm. And then in the original, I'm assuming that's the original prototype, she's also much more Americana than she is Barbie superhero. Yes. There is... There's this other version that we have that shows a different a much different look for um Persia and a much different look for Wonder Woman. The Wonder Woman is re, you know red, white and blue. She looks much more Linda Carter with her American flag cape. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the Persia looks very much like Cheetah who is oh, the Wonder right. Woman, you know, main enemy from her comics. Maybe I have an unpopular opinion, but do you think, I mean, I love the pinks. I mean, it's my favorite color, but if they had stuck with a more traditional red, white, and blue motif for Wonder Woman, would it have been more successful because kids would have identified and seen that she was Wonder Woman, and then maybe the people around her could have been a little less, like, you know, uh, fashion model superhero and be more superhero. Like, kind of like what they did with Tanko and the Guardians of the Magic. Mm-hmm. You know, like Allie, I mean, but then that's the problem, is the disconnect of the toys, as we've talked about in the Tanko episode on the Jorah's Archive, is that the dolls look like Vegas showgirls, and in the show, they actually look like they could actually fight. But, like, you ain't going to be fighting in your Vegas outfit as a doll. Like, right. this is not happening, you know. And I think that yeah. that's the thing is that it's almost like around this era, whoever was in charge at Mattel, and it wasn't Greg because he was over at Kenner, mm-hmm. was just making these over-the-top prototype designs, and they just didn't seem to click. It's almost like whoever worked on Star Riders was almost like, okay, well, let's just kind of redo what they did for Star Riders and we'll just kind of make it into Tanko and the Guardians of the Magic and just Mm. expect for it to succeed. But it's like, it already didn't work 
in, you know, in Tanko. So, I, I mean, it didn't work in Wonder Woman. So why would it work in Tanko? Right. Yeah. You were. T- so you're talking about these over the top designs just being the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it's it's overworked in the way that so many things in the 90s were overworked. And I love I love them, but I also recognize that it's like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> I feel so, like... Oh, go ahead, Ter. Um, I, I feel like things in the 90s were so more... Um, oh, shoot, I'm trying to think how to word it. Like, there was Extra. so much... Yeah, so much room for, like, imagination. And, like, the play was really there. Where, I mean, like, I think nowadays there really isn't much play or, like, imagination. I I mean, I don't know. I don't look at... I think it's just... It's just a different marketing style, that's all. It's, like, it's... You know, there's a reason why the 80s and 90s dolls are so nostalgic for us. Because when we look at them, they have a look to them, you know. And, and so many things, you know, we think In the think same about way it. that a jazz solo cup has a look. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, there you go. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's just, like, there's something about these designs. And I think that, you know, a lot of the people that were working on these properties were there you know, in the 80s, in the 70s, and so they were inspired by that. And now today, people, you know, they were playing with kids' toys from the 90s and the early 2000s, and now they're creating those characters. And, you know, things are becoming a lot more gender neutral, and it's like girls don't have to play with over-the-top pink dolls. Like, they could also play with boys, or the girls can be dressed like boys, or the girls can like girls. Like, there's so many new changes, I think, in the viewpoint of society as well. And I think we need to point out that also that Wonder Woman goes on nearly 30 years later to have a successful doll line with the DC superhero girls. Oh, right. That is much more true to her roots and much more true to her just being a DC superhero character, you know. And it's got Batgirl and Supergirl and, you know, Green Lantern and... And recognizable DC characters right. that people could identify with and enjoy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a case study that it just it takes the right it takes the right interpretation and it takes the right approach. Right. Like I character. wonder like bringing in Supergirl, would that have been good to do it as like a season two thing, or should that have been done right off the bat? But then that also begs the question, then, okay, like, what other girls? Because, I mean, then it could have been Amethyst. And instead of any of these star writers, it could have been right. Amethyst and Wonder Woman and Supergirl, like, all working together, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have had actual DC villainesses. You could have had yeah. Cheetah, and you could have had Dark Opal. And, mm-hmm. and a know, crossover with Catwoman. Yeah, it's like, you could have had episode where they go to Gotham City and yeah. team up with Batgirl and, you know, because yeah. Catwoman's stealing a jewel, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> there is so a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities that they, where they could have taken this. And while I love it for the weird oh, little right. cul-de-sac thing that it is for Wonder Woman, I understand why it doesn't work. But that doesn't make me love it any less. And I know it's I know it's weird and I know it's just funky and not well thought out. 
But I think there's always that element of like the thing that never came to be and just wanting to know what it would have been like. There's always that mystery. And then your brain fills in exactly like you would have wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think in many ways, the Wonder Woman and the Star Riders of my imagination is so much more than the actual Wonder Woman and the Star Riders would have been. <laughs> That's just because you have this like blue sky idea of, oh my gosh, where could they have taken this? And Exactly. And you it's, know. it's more fun, really, almost to imagine that. And these are just little, and f- I think finding little pieces of it becomes a little bit of a, like, a, not obsession, but just like a little treasure hunt. Yeah. Because it, it just feeds that mythology building in my mind. Right. Do you guys think we could track down somebody who worked on the line to bring them on and interview them? Well, I would love that. That would be awesome. <laughs> if I can, we may have to reach out to a few people and see if they maybe know some people. Well, I'll let what a doll do all that. Meanwhile, in okay. Avalon, <laughs> Ronnie Del Mar will be working on Jewel Rider things. We've got we've got motion comics coming out and continuing Ooh. to release videos on our YouTube channel. So we're oh. busy over there. And we've got a big Tanko podcast coming up later this year. Yes, because oh, okay. it's celebrating as well. We're celebrating yeah. Tanko. We've got some unreleased videos coming out. So, Ooh. yeah. And Wonder Woman and the Star Riders, this, we're actually celebrating the 30th anniversary of the thing that never happened. <laughs> I love celebrating anniversaries of things that don't happen. <laughs> it's like my forte. Oh, it's very my gosh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps us up for Wonder Woman and the Star Riders. If you want to find out more from What A Doll, you can find us on pretty much any social media platform at What A Doll Pod or at our home on Podbean. And if you want to hear more from the Jewel Writers Archive, you can find us at JewelWritersArchive.com or at Jewel Writers or at Jewel Writers Archive on most social media platforms. Stay tuned to our YouTube channel for lots more coming, like Ronnie says. And I think with that... Uh, happy doll hunting. And if anybody knows anything more about Star Riders, shoot us a message Please and do. share. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I feel left out. We got to say my catchphrase. Friends together. Friends, friends forever. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. I was like, that's I can't sign off yet. <laughs> okay, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. All right, bye, and happy collecting.